I invite you to open the Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, as we begin to study the last chapter of this letter that Peter wrote to the Christians who were scattered. It's on page 1016, if you have one of our Bibles. And after you find 1 Peter 5, I'm going to ask if we would all stand up as we read God's Word together. And uh, this is the Word of God that the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write to these people. And we need to hear it here this morning. So let's give this our full and undivided attention. It's great to have everybody here. Let's hear what God has to say. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's the reading of God's word. Please have your seat. And if you notice, right there in verse 1, it says that Peter wants to exhort and he wants to exhort the elders. So whenever we preach the word, we are reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. And we, we hold up the word of God, and it rings out, it sounds forth, and everyone gets exhorted, encouraged, convicted. But you notice in this time, it says, so I exhort the elders. The elders is another word for the pastors. In verse 2, you can see it describes them as shepherding the flock of God or exercising oversight. So he takes a moment here in the letter and he says, I want to give a specific word of encouragement to the pastors. So this is really interesting, everybody, because we're all here, but I'm preaching this sermon basically to myself, right? And I already know how the sermon goes and I'm already convicted, you know what I mean? Uh, there's, we have three pastors here at our church, three men that we would consider elders. And I really want you to pay attention to what Peter says. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Now, I think that's an amazing statement for Peter to make because Peter is not just some pastor down the street. Peter is an apostle. Peter is one of the closest disciples to Jesus Christ. On the first day that there was a church, on the first day the Holy Spirit was speaking through the word, Peter was the guy who preached the first sermon. So he could say, hey, as the apostle, I'd like to tell the elders what to do. As one of the closest people to Jesus on planet earth, you should listen to what I have to say. Hey, as like the closest disciple, let me tell you other guys what you should be doing. But he doesn't say it like that. He says, as a fellow elder, I want to say something to the elders. Now turn with me to John 21. Let's look at a conversation that Jesus had with Peter in John 21. Right? We know that, that Jesus said to Peter, 
you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my what? What did he say? That's one of our favorite verses here at Compass HB, Matthew 16, 18. That Jesus has made a promise that he is going to build his church. And he said, hey, you're Peter and I'm going to do it on this rock. Now, what is he referring to? Well, some people would say that he's making Peter the first pope of the church, the first leader of the church, that Peter is now one man above all others in the church leading and he's going to build the church on Jesus. Others would say that Peter had just said, you are the Christ the son of the living God, and what he's going to build the church on is the revelation of who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the holy and anointed one, that all of the prophecies are about, all of the promises, they all point to Jesus. So it's the gospel of Jesus that he's going to build the church on. But some people think he's going to build it on the man, Peter. Now, if you know Peter, if you've read the gospels, Everybody loves Peter because he says some of the most epic things you've ever read in the entire Bible, and then he says some of the cringiest things you've ever heard in your life. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody says something and you just feel embarrassed for them. You ever felt that way for the Apostle Peter before? Like, just, bro, just stop, you know, don't say that. We can all relate. We've all, anybody said some things that we wish we hadn't said? We can all relate to Peter. He's a very beloved guy. Well, we know that the biggest thing that he does, the worst mistake that he makes is on the night that Jesus is arrested outside of his trial three different times. Peter acts like he doesn't even know Jesus before the rooster crows. And now look at this, John 21, verse 15. Jesus has breakfast to restore Peter. And it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So here's now three times Jesus is going to ask Peter, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, look what he says, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, notice this, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Now, Jesus has already said in the Gospel of John that he's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But now he's telling Peter, you got to take care of my people. you got to feed them the Scripture. you got to care for their souls. A third time, he says, in verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, what's amazing to me, go back to 1 Peter 5 and look at this. Now, Peter is now going to say that same message to these elders. Look what he tells them to do in verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So I'm thinking if there was any guy who had the bona fide credentials to act like he was a one-man show at a church, that he was leading the church, it would be Peter. I mean, we're going to build the church on him. Jesus is having a private conversation to feed my sheep. But everybody, we need to observe the attitude of Peter where he doesn't put himself above others, but he says, I'm just a fellow elder. I'm just doing the same thing that all the elders are called to do, that we all have an assignment from the good shepherd that we're supposed to shepherd his people. 
We've got to make it very clear. Church has never been from day one, starting with Peter. There is no pope. There is no one-man show. There is no man who can lead the church except the God-man, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen from anybody on that? Okay? So we got a lot of one-man shows going on. And, and let's get this down for point number one. The Bible teaches a plurality of elders. The Bible always talks about there being multiple elders. Even Peter here, the apostle, is saying he is a fellow elder. And all the elders do the same job of shepherding God's people in the flock and exercising oversight. So no church should be run uh, by one person. There should be a group of men who are a team of elders and it becomes clear in verse 2 what those elders do okay now go back to chapter 4 verse 17 because he said it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God and we saw that that was a reference from Ezekiel 9 and in Ezekiel 9 they started being executioners going out from the temple to judge the people and who did the judgment start with it says the first people that they judged were the elders so this idea of elders, maybe you've heard about elders in the church before. We use the word pastor more than elder in the way that we talk these days. But this idea that there are going to be leaders in the church, elders, this goes, you should write down, this goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 3 where there's the elders of Israel. So it's not just the church that has elders. Now if you go back to the law of Moses, there were elders in Israel and even Moses was not called to be a one-man show. There's a chapter you can read where Moses appoints 70 elders to help him care for the people of God. The elders were known to be at the gates of the cities of Israel. And if you had a problem, if you had a disagreement, a dispute, you could go to the elders at the gates of the city and you could get wisdom, you could get counsel, you could get reconciliation because you would go to the leaders who could help God's people, the elders. So this has been from the time of Israel. It's now in the church age that there are men who are elders. So something that happens, because I'm the elder who does a lot of the preaching and teaching here at Compass HB, is people will say to me, well, you're the pastor of that church. You're the senior pastor, the lead pastor. Let's just make it very clear. I am just one of the pastors here at this church. Okay, I'm just a fellow elder. We've got two great other elders here at this church, Pastor Bill and Pastor Dan. Can we praise the Lord for these guys? Can we praise the Lord for them? Okay. So I got to tell you, I am so blessed to be one of the pastors. Okay, this is a real blessing for me. It's a privilege to serve in this way because I get the front row seat to seeing Jesus build his church. There is nothing more exciting on planet Earth than what's happening in the church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more awesome than you watching Jesus save a soul right in front of your eyes. Than you seeing Jesus take people and just grow them up and build them up and set them on fire. Seeing people who you saw get saved and you watch them grow up and mature. And now they're out there leading other people to Christ and making disciples. It is awesome to see what Jesus does to build his church. Nothing can stop the gospel of Jesus. I mean, Satan and all the demons, all the spiritual forces of evil cannot stop Jesus from building his church. 
Even the gates of Hades, like the place of the dead, even when a whole generation of Christians die, Jesus will just raise up another generation of believers. Like when you get to be there and you're telling someone the gospel, you're telling them how Jesus died for them, but he rose from the dead and they could have a new life. They could turn from their sin by faith in Jesus Christ. They could be a new creation. The old could be gone. The new could be gone. At some point you realize, I'm not even saying this right now. Like this is God speaking through me and you can see their eyes being open you can see them listening you can see the light bulb going on and you can see god right now here in front of me jesus is building his church it's an amazing blessing that i have in my life even some people that i'm looking at right here today to see what god has done in your life to see how you have been built up in the faith as the church of jesus what a blessing to see I mean, you want to talk about a great way to live. Spend your life with the, with the flock, with the sheep, with the people of Jesus. People at this church have loved me so much. They have been so kind to me. They have bared with me through some not-so-good sermons, through me forgetting some points in some sermons. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People have forgiven me. People have loved me. People have prayed for me. I mean, it is a blessing to be one of these guys, to be an elder, to be among the flock of God, the people of Jesus Christ. And we are blessed at this church. Like, I can testify, honestly, we're going to talk about how the sausage is made here at Compass HB for a minute because we got nothing to hide in, in what we're doing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now that these two guys, Pastor Bill, Pastor Dan, these guys are the real deal, okay? Like, these guys, they're serious men. You've maybe heard them preach before. Anybody go to the underground? Who goes to the underground with Pastor Bill? Where's the underground at, right? Are we thankful for Pastor Bill here at this church? Who's ever watched the Scripture of the Day video before? Anybody ever watched the Scripture of the Day? Are we thankful for Pastor Bill here at this church? Okay. Now, this guy, you got to understand, there's nothing beneath Pastor Bill. Okay. He's here to serve. You, what needs to be done, he's going to do it. Somebody's at the hospital, let's go. Somebody's in need, let's go. Oh, we got to clean up the church? Where's the broom? Let's get it done. That's how he is. That's how, that's, that's how he is every single day. I'm his brother. I don't know if you know this. We're not just brothers in Christ. We come from the same mom, me and Pastor Bill, all right? I've known this guy his whole life. And in the rest of my family, we're just praising the Lord that he would ever be somebody who could be a pastor. We, we, I mean, it's amazing what God has done if you knew him back in the day, all right? And let me tell you, this guy, he is a faithful brother in every sense of the word and I, I i'm just telling you these guys they are here to serve you they are not here for themselves it's not about what they're getting out of this thing it's about what's happening with you like and, and the things that these guys end up doing like like one time we had this idea i don't know where we get some of these ideas but when we started making videos we came up with this idea that i was going to jump off a rock into the pacific ocean for this series that we were going to do called the deep end in john 17 who remembers the deep end anybody remember the deep end all the way back then so I, okay so i'm going to jump off a rock into the ocean and that's going to symbolize something awesome okay okay so i show up and pastor bill is wearing a full body wetsuit and that he's rented from someplace, and it's got like weights on it, and he just looks ridiculous. And I could say this because he's my little brother, all right? He just looks ridiculous. I'm like, what are you doing, you know? And he's like, I'm going to dive underwater, and I'm going to film you jumping in from underwater. I'm like, are you, are you serious right now? And so he, he gets in the ocean, and there's like a bunch of us there watching him, right? 
and he gets in the ocean and he tries to dive down and he just keeps floating right back up to the surface. And it's like he's diving down, he just keeps coming back up. I mean, it's hilarious, right? And finally he dives down, I jump in, we completely don't even get the shot, right? It doesn't even work. We're at, we're at the St. Pierre's pool. Ryan, you remember that? Where's Ryan St. Pierre? Remember that? We had to go to their pool and fake like it was the ocean. That, that's what we had to do, right? That's just a silly story to make a, a point. He's here to do whatever needs to be done. Let's praise the Lord for Pastor Dan. Can we praise the Lord for him? If you're sitting in the shade, you should definitely be clapping right now, okay? He's a guy who got all this shade. He, he oversees so many things that are happening around here. The fellowship groups that are meeting. All the things that are going on right now with the services. There's so many things that need to happen. Pastor Dan, he, he's doing it all. And I've had the privilege with serving this guy now for a long time. I remember the first day I was going to be serving with him in this high school ministry. He was going to lead this new small group. And he calls me and he's like, we've, we're debuting this brand new small group. We've been talking about it for weeks, praying about it. And he says, yeah, I'm not going to be able to be there. And I'm like, this is the first night and you can't even make it? Like, what's your excuse? And that was the day that his daughter, Danny, was born. So it turned out to be a legitimate excused absence, right? And Danny just turned 13 the other day. 13 years. This guy's been getting my back in ministry. 13 years. Like, I remember one time we were at a camp in high, doing high school ministry. You do some fun stuff with the high schoolers. They're meeting inside right now. You, you have some fun with them. I said, hey, Dan, here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to drive a golf cart. We're going to come in at breakneck speed, and we want to hit a ramp and launch the golf cart up onto the stage. That's how we're going to make our entrance tonight. Dan's face shriveled up like a raisin, you know what I mean? Like, his face contorted into about five different expressions of, no, that's a terrible idea. There's no way we're going to do that. If you know Dan, he works hard. He likes to have things very organized. We're going to hit a golf cart coming in top speed, and we're going to slam on the brakes and land it on the stage. He looks at me. He says no in every possible form of nonverbal communication. And he's like, yeah, we'll have that done, no problem. That's Pastor Dan. That's Pastor Dan. I'm telling you, these guys, they are here to serve and we are blessed to have them and look at verse 2 look what it says this is what we're called to do it refers to us as the elders but then it says shepherd the flock of God that is among you and then it says exercising oversight okay so here the point number two the bible uses write down these three words the bible uses elder pastor and overseer for the same person okay we, this is very important I don't know where you got your idea of how church should run, what kind of church you grew up in, what kind of experiences you've had with pastors. Sometimes maybe you've heard that these guys are the pastors and these guys are the elders. No matter what background we've come from, we're going to all get on the same page from 1 Peter here today. And you can see that the elders are doing the shepherding. Write that down under pastor. It means shepherd. That's what the word pastor means. So we use the word pastor the most today, but really that's the word used the least in the scripture. It says elder, it talks about the shepherding, and then it talks about the oversight, the overseeing, the making decisions, protecting the sheep from the wolves, protecting the people from evil, making sure that every one of the sheep is being cared for and, and protected in the congregation, exercising oversight. So it's important that you see that whether we say pastor, elder, overseer maybe you've heard the phrase bishop thrown out in some translations it's all referring to this same group of men 
who are called by God to lead the church. Go to Acts chapter 20, and you can see this again in Acts chapter 20, when uh, Paul here is going to be talking to the uh, elders in Ephesus. Acts 20, verse 17, okay? So if you're reading through the Bible, and you read something about a shepherd or a pastor, something about an elder, something about an overseer, if you're reading through the letters to the churches, that's all the same man that we're talking about. Look what he says here in Acts 20, verse 17. This is the setup to his speech. It says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church to come to him. Okay, so Paul planted the church in Ephesus. He's appointed elders there to lead that church, and now he's going to give a farewell address to these elders, and this is going to be grown men crying. These are guys who really love one another. They know they're not going to see Paul again, so these are his final words. Jump down to verse 28. This is an, a great a farewell address that he gives, but look at how he talks to these men. He says, wolves are going to come in. You've got to be the shepherds. You've got to protect the sheep. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his blood. So there is a chief shepherd, a good shepherd. Jesus is really the only one who's over the church, and Jesus loves you in the church. How can you know that Jesus loves you? He bought you with his own blood. He sacrificed his body to save He laid down his life so that you could live. So Jesus, he loves you. And so these guys, these elders, he says, you better watch yourselves. You better watch the people. And the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And here's really what pastors do. Pastors care for the church of God. That's what we're here to do. We're here to care for the people of Jesus. We are here to love you. That's what we're here to do. And he makes that very clear. These three ideas all go together. Let's get the elders together. And what are we going to tell the elders to do? Shepherd the people, care for the people, oversee the church, protect the church. These three ideas, they're all describing the same group. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Because it's going to get into now the heart attitude of how myself, Bill, Dan, how are we supposed to do this work that, that it's saying. There's a group of us elders. We're here to shepherd and care for the people. We're here to oversee what's going on in the church. Well, now it's going to say three different ways to do it. Not this, but this. Look at it there in the middle of verse 2. It says, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Can't be doing this job because you have to do a job. You got to be fully committed. You got to pour yourself into it. You got to go all out if you're going to do it. You got to see the need. You got to see it's God's will. You got to desire it and go for it. That's what it's saying. Can't be under compulsion. It's got to be willingly. Then look what it says not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Can't be being a pastor for the money. Okay, so let's compare this now to other jobs, right? I don't, hopefully, this isn't true about you and your job. But maybe you've worked a job before, you've been in an office, a workplace before, where you could tell people they don't really like what they're doing, and they are just there punching the clock. They get there as late as they possibly can, and as soon as it's quitting time, they are gone. You are not going to see them around anymore. Five o'clock, I am out of here. 
right? And then why do they do that job? It's not because they love the work. It's not because they want to help people. They're just waiting for that direct deposit to clear at the bank. You know what I'm saying? You ever hear people talk like this at work? Hey, how you doing? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with my check this Friday, right? They start telling you. So a lot of people are doing work because they have to because they need the money. Can't be like, can you imagine if pastors were like that? Hey, pastor, how's your day going? Well, I just got to meet with a couple more people, and then I am out of here, man. I can't wait. Hey, pastor, how's the church going? Well, let me tell you, that direct deposit just hit the bank, so it's going pretty well. Can you imagine if pastors talked like that? See, pastors can't approach it like, oh, I got to go to work. Oh, I got uh, some burden. Oh, I got to do something because I have to do it. He's saying, no, you shouldn't be doing this unless you're into it, unless God's put it on your heart, unless it's a burning passion in your soul. This is not the job for you. Then look what it says here in verse 3. It says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. You might want to write down next to that verse or next down to, next to not domineering, Matthew 20, verse 25. Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus says, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like those who don't know God, who lord it over the people they have authority over. They're all about having authority. They're all about pulling out the organizational chart and pointing out that they're higher on the organizational chart than you are. They think of themselves as kind of above everybody else. Maybe you've had a boss like that walking around the office like everybody here works for me. It says that's not the way the pastor does it. Pastors are right there. They're not above the people. They are among the people. One thing you need to know about how this church operates is that we encourage everybody here to be in a fellowship group. Everybody here, get to know your one another's. And let me just tell you this, every pastor, everybody who serves on staff, we are all in a fellowship group. We are all right there, sitting side by side with everybody else, confessing sins, encouraging one another. Here's my life, I'll share it with you. Here's your life, you share it with me. We are in this together for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen from anybody on that? Okay? There is no ranking of people at church. We are all the people of God. One of the things I do here at the church is I take out my trash. Okay, This is something I do. All right, I got an office up there. I don't know if you've been to the second floor. We got offices up there. Usually the dumpsters are right here where this stage is right now. And it is hard for me to take out my trash because I have to walk from that second floor all the way. And there are so many Christ-loving servant people here at this church. They see me carrying my trash. I'm just happy carrying my trash out. They're like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. You're a pastor. Give me that trash, right? I mean, I have to find like secret passageways to get out here. I like can't walk down that hall because there's so-and-so and they won't let me take out my own trash around here. Like, if you know my life story, how I grew up half a job, Bob, like, this is personal development for me, everybody. My dad used to make fun of me because I couldn't take out the trash. I'm going to go put a bag in this thing after I'm done dumping this right now. Hey, let me take out my own trash around here. I'm not better than anybody else. You got to take out your trash. Me too. That's how it works around here. We're all in this. Please, everybody, let me take out my trash, all right? We're all in this together. We're here to serve. We're all the flock. We're all the sheep. Same blood of Jesus bought you that bought the person next to you that bought any one of us. We're all here to serve the people of Jesus Christ. Now it says that the pastors here, they're going to be examples to the flock. Let's think about what does that mean? Turn with me to Hebrews 13. It's just a few pages over to the left. Hebrews 13, 
verse 7, okay? Because sometimes when you talk about people being examples, some people can have a negative response to that. They're like, well, we shouldn't be following any person. We should be following Jesus Christ. Jesus is our example. We're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, definitely, that's 100% true. We are all here not to follow people, but to follow Jesus. Can I get an amen from anybody on that? We're all here to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. But if you start to have a negative tone towards people being examples, older men and women showing you the way to follow Jesus, being an example, you got to be careful about saying negative things about human examples because the Bible says a lot of positive things about human examples. Now, the Bible says that you need people to follow as examples and that you should even imitate their faith, mimic their faith, copy them, okay? So the Bible encourages you to have leaders. And if you're a leader in the church, everybody who's a leader at this church, everybody's on staff, everybody who leads one of our fellowship groups, they should all be examples. That doesn't mean they're above other people. It means they're really living out the following of Jesus Christ. They're really following him with all of their heart. And they should be examples. But look at how we should think about it. Hebrews 13, verse 7. It says, remember your leaders. What kind of leaders are we talking about? Those who spoke to you the word of God. So we're talking now about leaders in the church, people who are able to teach you the word. It says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their, what does it say there? Imitate their what? Faith. Okay, so here's our expectation. Let's be very clear about this. The elders here at this church, we don't expect you to try to be like us. You don't have to have the same opinions that we have. You don't have to have the same preferences that we have. We, we don't want you to be like us. We want you to be like Jesus. I'm not expecting every man here to grow a beard. That is not my expectation for the men of this church. You want to be clean shaven? You want to go mustache only? You go for it, bro. That's, that's cool, okay? We're not, we're not saying, hey, look at how we do this thing with our family or look at how we do this. You've got to copy exactly what we do. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, is there anything about us that looks like we're trusting in Jesus? Is there anything about us that looks like we're really living by faith? We're really seeking him out. Like we really love the Bible. We really pray for revival. We really care for other people. We're really here to serve and not in it for ourselves. Is there anything about the faith that you see? If it inspires your faith, then live like that. Don't be like us. Be like Jesus. That's what we're here to say. And no one should be a leader in the church unless they are an example worth following. And so I just want to make that very clear. You don't have to be like me or Bill or Dan, but if you see something about our faith, this goes back even to Abraham, the father of faith. You go read Genesis through the life of Abraham. He does some things that are not exemplary. You go read Hebrews 11. It's going to say, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did that. It's saying, you don't got to follow everything Abraham did. Just follow what he did by faith. So you consider the leaders, you look at how we live our lives, you decide what you want to see as an example and what you want to imitate as you see faith. That's the goal of having leaders in the church. And so point number three, we really need you to do this. Will you pray for your pastors? 
Will you please pray for us? And the equal sign there is because we need it. We need you to pray for us. And I got to tell you, there are, there are days where I'm here serving at the church and I have reached the limit. I am running on empty. And yet I still see right there in front of me Jesus doing another miracle to build his church, working in somebody's life. And I know, wow, how did that happen? I know I'm, I've reached the limit. And yet here's Jesus doing this amazing thing right in front of my eyes. And I know that some of you are praying for me. I mean, I got to tell you, it, it, I, I feel the difference. I can see that your prayers make a difference in what happens here at this church. And I just got to say to you, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for praying. Like, that really lifts me up. And not just me. I know people, you're, people are praying for me and my family. I know I, that I am a daily visitor in some of your houses because you pray for me every single day. I know you pray for Bill, for his family, for Dan, for his family. I just want to tell you that your prayers lifting us up to the Lord, we know you are praying for us. We believe it when you say it because we experience God being with us through your prayers. So thank you. I mean, I'm telling you, my goal in life, what I am here to do, Lord willing, if Jesus will help me, my whole goal is not to do half a job on this church. That's my life right there. I want to die right here with the people of this church. I want us to live for Jesus together. That I'm all in. And I appreciate everybody here who's praying for me. Go back to 1 Peter 5, verse 4. Look what, it, look what it says. This has been such an encouragement to me to keep going. And this is really a theme for all of us in Peter. And after he says who the elders are, what they're doing, how they're supposed to do it, he says, as a fellow elder, when the chief shepherd appears, when the one God-man who really runs the church, the head of the church, who bought it with his blood, who made us his bride, when Jesus appears in all of his glory. See, that's what he gives the pastor as an encouragement to keep going. You might want to write down next to verse 4, 1 Peter 1.13, encouraged all of us to set our hope fully on the grace that is coming at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is a great time for every single one of us to ask ourselves, is my hope in America? Is my hope in this church? Is my hope in my friends? Is my hope in my family? Because if you put your hope in anything or any person, at some point, your hope will be disappointed. It's telling you, you got to get all of your hope in the fact that Jesus is coming back in all of his glory. It's telling you, put your hope in the apocalypse, okay? When, when you, we hear the word apocalypse, we think crazy, chaos, end times, end of the world as we know it. Somebody hears some really bad thing that happens and they say, oh, the apocalypse is upon us. That's how we use the word. That's not really what the word means, okay? Apocalypse means revelation. It means unveiling. It means something that is hidden 
is made known. Right now, the only way you can see the glory of Jesus is by faith. And many of us have had our eyes open to see the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, there will come a moment, the apocalypse, the revelation, the unveiling, when everyone will be able to see the glory of Jesus and he will come and make things right in his church. He will come and set things straight on this planet. And we're just here holding it down till Jesus comes back. That's what it says. It says whether you're the pastor and you're looking forward to the glory of the chief shepherd, all of us should set our hope fully that Jesus is coming and that's the point of the church is to get ready for his return. Now then it says this, okay? So now it's going to turn it to you, okay? What is your response going to be to these elders that we have in the church. Look at verse 5. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, there's some different thoughts. What does that mean, that the younger should be subject, submit themselves, willingly place themselves underneath the authority of the elders? Well, some people think because it says younger, maybe we're now talking about older people, and that's definitely a good idea for younger people to respect older people but in the context we're talking about elders being the leaders of the church and so it's saying those who are younger should submit to them so i guess everybody who's older than the pastors of this church you could just do whatever you want is that is that what it's saying right here go back to hebrews 13 one more time here's a helpful cross-reference hebrews 13 verse 17 another verse that talks about these leaders and how are you going to respond to the fact that the church of Jesus has elders, pastors, shepherds, overseers. It has men that are, they're not the leader. Jesus is the leader. But these men are meant to care for the church, to oversee the church. So if you're a part of the church, what is your response to these men? Well, Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Willingly put yourself under their authority. What kind of leaders are we talking about? For they are keeping watch over your souls. And then it says to, to us, me, Bill, and Dan, it says here, well, we're going to, as those who will have to give an account, we're going to be held accountable by Jesus for how we care for his people. We're going to be held accountable for everything we teach here at this church. Everything we say this book says, we're going to get a stricter judgment according to whether we cut it straight or not. Yeah, Jesus is going to judge us, but what is your response going to be to these leaders who care about your soul? Look what, look what it says. Here's, a, here's a, a thought for everybody to think about. You want your pastors to do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So you're going to end up interacting with the elders. How do you want to interact with them? You want to be critical? You want to tell them how they could be doing a better job? You want to be coming after them, evaluating them, or do you want to be supporting them, praying for them? Do you want their job to be a joy or groaning? You want to run us out of town, or you want to work with us here to spread the gospel in Huntington Beach and beyond? It's up to you. What is your response going to be? Make your pastor's job a joy is what it says here. Hey, they're going to be held accountable. You could be a real support and encouragement to them. So what is your response? See, now four verses about us. We got exhorted. We already had our pastoral fellowship group applying this sermon together. All right. 
But now it's opening up. So what do you think? As the church, what is your response to these leaders? And now watch what it's going to say to all of us. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, because now he's going to make it clear. This is for all of you, whether you're an elder, whether you're someone who's not an elder. All of us, we're the church. Look what it says. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So let's get this down for point number four. We all need to clothe ourselves. We all have church clothes. And our church clothes equal humility. That's something all of us need to put on, okay? I see that everybody got ready here to come to church today, right? You got, you got dressed, you got ready, you came here, maybe you got some Starbucks on the way, right? Help you out a little bit. I don't know what your pre-church routine is, but here's something we need to all make sure when you're getting ready to come to church, are you putting on humility? And I don't think that just means when we gather together like this to worship and hear the word, like when you go to your fellowship group, do you put on humility? When you meet with a brother or sister one-on-one, do you put on to humility? Do you go into church thinking, everybody here is more important than I am? This is not about me coming to church. I'm not going to church like, what am I going to get out of this? Do I feel like going to church today? No, I'm coming to church humbly here to serve everybody else. I'm here to lift other people up at the church. We see we're supposed to go to Jesus go to church the same way that Jesus made us the church. Jesus made us the church by humbling himself and dying in our place and we're supposed to go to church humble and ready to die for one another. And we've twisted it around. We've made, hey, does this church work for me? Does it work for my family? Does it fit my schedule? Is it doing what I want church to do? It's saying, no, don't go to church like that. If we're going to be the church, we got to put on humility, and that means other people are more important than me. Go to Philippians 2. Look how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He makes it very clear. Everybody, if you've got a Bible, turn to this last passage here with me in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. And I, and I hope you'll remember this next time you are getting ready to come to church and you're thinking, OK, I got to go to church today. Are you thinking I got to put on right now humility? I don't want to go to church thinking about myself. I want to go to church thinking, who could I encourage? Who am I going to see? Do they need help serving? What could I do to build up the church? Look what it says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Don't do anything for yourself. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, yeah, definitely the elders need to be here because they care for the people. They're here for the flock. They're here to tend the sheep. They're here to oversee, make sure everybody's safe, protected from wolves, from evil. But clearly, all of us are here to serve. Then it says this. Look at verse 5. How do we get this idea? It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You need to approach the church with the mindset that Jesus approached the church. The good shepherd who laid down his life so you could be one of his sheep. If you spend the rest of your life 
giving your life away to the church of Jesus Christ, you will have spent your life in a way that really matters, in a way that makes a difference for eternity, in a way that will impact other people more than you could possibly understand. Jesus was right there with the Father in heaven. He was in a perfect place, perfectly loved, perfect obedience, and he left heaven to come down here to get you, to save your soul. The creator became one of his creation. The one who upholds the universe by the word of his power was born as a baby and laid in a manger. The creator of heaven and earth died as a man on a cross, crying out with his loud voice, his last breath. And you know what he was crying out for? You. And now you want to come to his church and make it about yourself? Now we got to have the mindset of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be saying, hey, what did you think about church today? No, we got to come humbly ready to serve one another here at church today. And so we got to, we got to, we, are we known here at our church for our humility? Does it seem like people here are more important than we are? Do people see that same mindset of Jesus Christ? And I'm so, so encouraged that I can say to you here today that I know the elders here. I know Bill and I know Dan and those guys, they are here to serve you. In fact, can we bring those guys out right now? Can you guys give them a warm welcome? Let's bring up Pastor Bill, Pastor Dan. And let me just make it very clear that when you're talking to any of us here at the church, you don't need to call us pastor. You could just call us by our first names. We are just one of the people here. But one of the things I'm excited to announce to our church is that we believe the Holy Spirit has raised up here among us another pastor. And I'm ready to announce to you Mr. Taylor Thompson, everybody. Let's bring him on up here with his wife, Bree. Okay. Who here has ever served in kids' ministry with Mr. Taylor before? Anybody ever served with him? Who's ever been in a fellowship group with Taylor Thompson before? Who's ever cleaned up stuff around this church with Taylor Thompson before, right? Okay, well, from this day forward, he's no longer Mr. Taylor. It's Pastor Taylor, everybody. So we, let me tell you, this guy, I can, I can tell everyone here this. I have observed it for six years. This guy is not here because he has to be. He's not here for the money. And he's not here because he wants to be somebody or have some kind of position. This man is here to serve. Can you tell us, Taylor, what has led us to this moment today? Yeah, well, first I just want to say how much I love this church. I mean, for the past six years, my wife and I, we have loved, we've been so blessed to watch God build this church to have like a front row to see what he's doing has just been such a blessing to us. And around two years ago, we had a, a leader meeting. We had all the pastors and the staff and everybody who's leading a fellowship group. We got away for an evening and we got to talk about what God is doing here and what we are praying that he would do in the future. And uh, one of those things that we were going to be praying for as a result of that meeting was praying for more pastors to be here among us, to serve the people and on that first night when we were sitting there talking about it, I remember that was the night that I started praying, God, if that's something you want me to do, please make that very clear to me. Um, so that kind of led into months of me just praying that, God, what do you want me to do? Is that something you want me to be? 
And that turned into me praying for these guys and asking God to reveal that to them. God, if this is something you're putting on my heart, would you make that clear to my leaders? Would you help them see that as well? And I believe that God has answered those prayers over the, this course of prayer. We started having conversations about it, and God has made it very clear that that's what he wants me to do. And I'm here to say that I am ready to come and serve you. I want to be here, and I want God, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do to continue to build his church right here in Huntington Beach. Amen. Taylor, why don't you sit down? Bree, please, come sit down. So we're going to lay hands on him, and we're going to pray for him as a pastor of this church. I'm going to ask everybody, will you please all pray with us right now? Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, the head of the church, and we give all the glory in the church to Jesus. It all belongs to him. And God, we thank you for your word and how it does make it so clear how you want us to conduct ourselves in the church of your son, Jesus. And uh, Father, I, I just thank you so much for Dan and Bill and the, and the way that they have faithfully served here. What a privilege it is to serve. And God, we just want to lift up Taylor to you now. And we've seen him, the attitude that he has served you with time and time again, that he is always ready. Whatever is happening, he is here to serve. And so, God, we believe that he, you put that on his heart to pray that. I know that you put that on my heart with Dan and Bill and that it was so clear to us that you were answering our prayers to raise up Taylor. We thank you for all the conversations, the preparations, the trainings that have led to this. And, God, we ask that now, from this day forward, that you would raise up Taylor to be one of the elders, to shepherd the flock here, to exercise oversight, that you would give him wisdom and discernment to see what needs to happen, to protect people from evil, to keep the wolves away, that he would care for people, that he would continue to pour himself out and give himself for the souls of the people here in the church of Jesus Christ. God, we pray for him. We pray for him that he would be a man of the word and prayer, a man who has an intimate relationship with you, that all of his ministry would come from his relationship with you through the word of prayer, that he would love his wife, Bree, that he would be a one-woman man who manages his household well. God, we praise you for the four kids that you've blessed him and Bree with. We pray that they would raise them up in your ways, and that he would continue to live a life that is above reproach, that everybody could hear, could see what you're doing in him, that we would be inspired by his faith. And so God, use him as a pastor, one of the elders, in the church of Jesus Christ. And let the name of Jesus Christ be lifted high. Yes, Father, we thank you. Uh, God, you are the, the, the ruler of this church, God. We are here for you. And God, we thank you that as you've grown this church, God, you were, you were the one that's brought the growth. God, so many people that we've seen you save and yeah, we've seen you mature. Uh, God, all that comes from you, and we give you all the, the credit and all the honor and all the glory. But God, as you've done that, it, it, you've made it clear to us that we need more men to be in this role of a pastor, an elder that you've designed, God, that, uh, people that would be faithful to not be here for themselves, but uh, to shepherd your people. And, and so, God, as we've uh, seen that need and we've come to you and we've asked you to reveal who you want to be the pastor and God, we, we ask you to give us wisdom as we try to think through this. God, you've been so faithful to answer those prayers and to make it so clear that Taylor was a man that you were raising up for this role. And, and so, God, now that we've come to this day and now that you have made him a pastor in your church, uh, God, we pray that 
his ministry would be very effective, God, that he would be a faithful shepherd, God, that so many people would be would be blessed and encouraged because they heard your word from him and they heard your word in a, in a meeting with him, God, the ministries that he oversees, that they would just be so effective at serving your church and lifting high your name. And God, we pray all this so that uh, the gospel would continue to ring out here in North Orange County and South LA County and that many more souls would be saved so that your name would be lifted high. And we pray all this for your glory. Amen. Amen, everybody. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Bree. And hey, let me just now, let me pray for all of us that we would clothe ourselves with humility. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word going out. We thank you for the clear understanding of who the elders should be. God, we pray that that's the way we would be here at this church. God, we thank you for everyone here who does make our job a joy. But God, I pray that it would be true of me, be true of every one of us here right now, that we would humble ourselves, God, that we would all acknowledge to you that we have a propensity to make things about us, that selfishness comes very naturally. And putting other people first, looking out to other people's interests, that's something we need to learn through Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for the way that Jesus laid down his life for us. And God, please use us to lay down our lives for one another here at this church. God, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what the future of this church is going to bring. I don't know if it's going to be good times or bad times, if we're going to be up on the mountaintop or if we're going to be down in the valley of the shadow of death. But God, I pray that this will always be a place where your people gather together to praise the name of Jesus, to give you all the glory that we worship you in spirit and in truth. Whether we're from the heights or whether we're from the depths, let us praise you, let us trust you, let us be the people of Jesus. And so God, please continue to do the work that only you can do among us. And let us be the people who respond to your work with worship. Let us respond now as we sing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.